Colossians chapter 2. I'll tell you the title of my message tonight, and but uh, it's not going to be what you think based on the title, but the title is Don't Get Spoiled. Don't Get Spoiled. Now, when we talk about getting spoiled, what do we usually think of? All right, you know, you think of that spoiled brat, or, or you think of somebody that's just kind of had everything handed to them. But that type of spoiling is not what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, we're going to we'll read Colossians chapter two, verse one through eight, and I think you'll see. And then we're going to look at what type of spoiling we're talking about because it's a word that's used in this passage. And it says in verse one, "For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you." For them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And this is the key verse I want us to look at tonight. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So right there we see that. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you. That word spoil there, that's talking about basically uh, to lead away. As For example, if somebody was to go like back in the old days and they were to attack another village... And they would take the spoils of that place. In other words, they take all the money, they take anything that was good, stuff that belonged to those people, and they would take it and they would use it for their own use. You know, they taught you've heard, you know, maybe references to the spoils of war and things like that. You know, a lot of people think that's why we're always going to fight these wars in the Middle East. What you know, what would be the spoils of war over there in those deserts? Well, the oil. And uh, if we could take it for our own use, I'm not saying that's why I'm not going to get political tonight. But whenever it comes to wars, there usually is spoil that's involved. And we are in a spiritual warfare today, and the devil would like nothing more than to spoil you. Okay? And once again, to basically meaning to lead you away and to take you and use you for his own use. That's what he wants. And we belong to God. We're His. We're to be for His use. But the devil would love to take you and use you for His purpose. And if we're not careful, I believe that can happen. That's why he said, "Beware." And it's not. And he says, "Lest any man." I believe it's something that men can do. Obviously, Satan's involved. But we want to watch for this. And he says in here how this is done. How people will spoil you. How they'll lead you away. And it said, "You know, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy." In vain deceits. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to take a look at that chapter. And we'll see a little more about this, what this philosophy in vain deceit means. Philosophy basically means, it means literally the love of wisdom. But, uh, you know, people, 
you know, they, they love to, you know, wax philosophical and, you know, talk like they're really smart and like they really know what's going on. And basically, when we talk about philosophy, what it's talking about is, is the wisdom of men. And you know what? Man does have some wisdom, don't we? You know, there, I mean, obviously there are some very smart people out there. There are some very wise people in certain areas. You know, maybe there's people out there, they're very wise, uh, with money. You know, there's other people. They're they're very wise in different areas. You know, they've got a lot of knowledge. Uh, you know, about man and uh, man's behavior. They know a lot of stuff. There is such a thing as man's wisdom. But there's all. But one thing we need to realize about it. Well, let's look at First Corinthians chapter two, and we'll talk a little bit about this man's wisdom, because it does often lead people away from God and from His Word. And it says in verse one, and I, brethren, when I came to you. Uh, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. You know, I worry about these preachers that get up and try to impress everybody with how smart they are. Have you ever seen people like that? I mean, they just, they gotta show how smart they are. I mean, you know, kinda like maybe, uh, you know, we got a college freshman uh, here today. You know, the college freshmen, they're always the smart ones that, you know, they, they know it all there in college now. And boy, they're just, they're gonna show everybody how smart they are and they get there. And, uh, they're the worst ones. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, but then, uh, you know, and then by the time they're a senior, you know, hopefully they've learned a few lessons. And then they hate all the freshmen as they come in because they can't stand how arrogant they are and how they think they know it all and how they don't know anything. But you know, they were there at one time too. So you know, remember that. You know, Samuel, I, I don't, I don't think you're that way. But I mean, you know, it's just it's pretty normal. But uh, but there are people out there. You know, preachers. They'll get up and they'll be preaching. They'll be using all this terminology and phraseology that the common person is just not going to understand. And it's like, whenever you're preaching, isn't the design, you know, isn't the goal, you know, to teach people something and get a message across? And these guys that get up there and talk in languages that I don't think anybody understands, pretty much what they're wanting to do is to get everybody thinking, wow, that guy must know what he's talking about. And I haven't got a clue, but you know what? I better listen. (laughs) Because he sounds really smart. But you know, Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. And in verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, there's some preachers, maybe an evangelist, they're going to go to church. You know, a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do, you know, they don't do this on purpose, but it's just kind of a natural thing. You know, you want to find out a little bit about that church you're going to. The church I was just at recently where I went to go preach a revival, I didn't know a thing about that church when I went there. I didn't know the only person I knew in that church was my cousin and his wife. I didn't know anybody else. I didn't know the pastor. I didn't know what kind of preaching they were used to. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't I didn't know where they were at spiritually and stuff. And so I kind of had to depend on the Holy Spirit to help me figure out what to preach. And uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, preachers, if they're they're gonna preach somewhere, maybe they'll, you know, they'll sometimes ask the pastor, you know, hey, you know, what do your folks need? You know, uh, you know, what do you got going on in your church? Maybe they'll ask another preacher if they know he's preached there. Hey, you know, what are those folks like there? Why? Because you know, trying to maybe get a little bit of insight so they can kind of help them figure out what that church needs. But you know, Paul he he didn't he wasn't interested and he didn't want to know anything about these people except Jesus Christ. Are they saved or lost? That's all he cared about. He says, "And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling." And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration 
of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Notice this wisdom of men that he keeps talking about and he keeps referring to. You know, that enticing words. I mean, have you ever heard, have you ever heard some of these people too? They get up and they'll talk. And boy, what they say sounds really good, but at the same time you're like, what did they just say? You know, they, you know, that sounded like it was really profound. It sounded like they were making us taking a strong position, but I don't really get it. I've been there before. I listened to people preach a whole message and it got done. And I was like, what did they even preach about? I mean, you really had no idea. It sure sounded good. I was at a camp meeting one time, and this guy was up there preaching. And he's yelling and screaming. You couldn't hardly understand a word he was saying. And I mean, maybe it was because of how southern he was, but he was one of these, you know, wind-sucking preachers that do all the, you know, I can't even do it. They make these breathing noises when they preach, and he's just going nuts. And I remember, I'm just a kid, and I'm listening to this guy preach, and I couldn't understand anything he was saying. But I must have been good because everybody in the place was shouting their heads off. I mean, he was getting amens like you wouldn't believe. I had no idea what he was saying, but it sure sounded good. And you know, Paul Paul didn't do any of that stuff with them. And then in verse seven, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now this verse here this is often used in talking about heaven. Saying, you know, I have not seen, ear hath not heard. You know, you, we can't even imagine what's waiting for us. But while that's probably true, we can't imagine. While it's true, yeah, we've not seen it, our ear hasn't heard it, hasn't even entered into our heart. While that all that's probably true, that's not what this verse is saying, because if you look at the very next verse, it says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, talking about a normal person or a lost person, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, or they understand all things. They understand the spiritual and they understand the natural. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So notice how in Colossians, the first passage we read, it said, don't let anybody spoil you or lead you away with philosophy and vain deceit. And it's very, and then Paul here in 1 Corinthians, he basically talks about with this philosophy, and because philosophy is the wisdom of man, or the love of wisdom. It's what man knows, it's what man's figured out. And you know what? A saved person can understand philosophy, and a lost person can understand philosophy. I mean, you can take a guy, he's just as lost as Adam's house cat, and he can go to college, and he can take a course on philosophy and he can get an A plus in it. But that doesn't mean he's going to have, but if he's lost, 
He cannot understand the spiritual things. The Bible says that. And when it comes to the things of God, the Bible says they are spiritually discerned. These are spiritual things that we're talking about. And the wisdom of man has nothing to contribute to what we do here. It has absolutely nothing to contribute to what we do here. There's things that just aren't going to make sense to the world. For example, we teach that you will be better off financially if you give 10% to God. Now, according to man's wisdom, that makes no sense at all, according to man's wisdom. But, spiritually, if you're saved, and if you've been obedient to that, you can understand that. And you can see how it works. You can't, you can't make it make sense with man's wisdom. I can't do that. If I went, if I went and the news media was, you know, interviewed me and said, you know, why are you teaching your people how to give 10%? How is that supposed to help people? Don't you understand what the economy is like right now? And I was to try to explain to them spiritual things. They're not going to get it. I'm going to look like a nut. I'm going to look like some kind of mental case because man's wisdom doesn't get it. You see, man's wisdom, one, is flawed for one thing. Okay? Man's wisdom is something that changes. You know, they change their ideas and things all the time. Why? Because it's flawed. Man makes mistakes. Man's wisdom, it's incomplete. Verse four, because the reason it's incomplete is because man's wisdom is incapable of understanding the spiritual. And whether they believe in the spiritual or not, there is a spiritual. And it affects everyone. Those who are lost, one of the reasons they're having the problems they have is because they're lost. Because they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And they need to be saved. And then they would be able to understand the spiritual. But in the meantime, man's wisdom is only going to get them so far. But here's the thing. Notice how Paul talks about man's wisdom. He doesn't use enticing words. He doesn't use excellency of speech. Here's the thing. If we get caught up in wanting to impress the world, and you know what, let's just be honest, we're tempted, you know, we all want to impress people, don't we? We want everybody to like us. We want every, we, we want to look good. If you're tempted to impress the world, you're, it's impossible doing it with the spiritual. It it will make you look foolish. The Bible says, you know, the wisdom, or, you know, the things of God. It's foolishness to the natural man. You're going to look foolish. You're going to look like you're crazy. Your family's going to think you're nuts. Your friends are going to think you're crazy. They're going to call you some kind of fanatic. They're going to think you know you, you know. Pretty soon, you know, there everything now is a mental health issue. Everything. You go kill somebody, it's because you have a mental health issue. If you steal something, you have a mental health issue. Pretty soon, and the reason they're doing that is because it's illegal to have a gun when you have a mental health issue. Well, who are some of the biggest people that are for the Second Amendment? It's those religious people, isn't it? And pretty soon, belief in God is going to be considered a mental health issue. Somebody who wants to give you know, their tithes. Somebody who goes to church all the time. It's going to be considered a mental health issue and they'll use it. That That's crazy. It's coming. It'll be here before you know it. But here's the thing. You will look like a fool to the world if you practice the spiritual. If you do the things of God. And if you get caught up in trying to impress the world, you will be spoiled. In other words, you will be led away. 
and you will be used by the enemy. And, we'll, and I'll I'll say a little more about how that you know what spoiling does uh, and, and how we are spoiled. But Bible says, don't let that happen through philosophy and vain deceit. So what's the man it is? It's deceitful because it's flawed, it's incomplete. But then also he said in that passage, let no man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And it also from tradition. It mentions tradition in there. Go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, ye shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Notice here how they bring up the tradition of the elders. Your disciples are transgressing the tradition of the elders. They didn't say transgressing the law. Because you know what? That wasn't in the law. But it was a tradition that they had. And they were upset that they were not following that. Now here's, here's the thing. Was that, is that a bad tradition to wash before eating? No, there's nothing wrong with that. They weren't sinning by having a practice. That tradition wasn't a sin, but notice what they were doing. They were making a huge deal about that tradition while at the same time, some of their traditions violated the Word of God. He brought up, why do ye transgress the commandment of God? Okay, The disciples were breaking one of their traditions, but these guys were breaking a commandment of God. By... and. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't totally understand what all that's about with honoring the Father. I was reading some commentaries on it, but it was talking about basically uh, one of the you know, ways you honor your parents by taking care of them, and then some of their children didn't want to do it, just not not taking care of them, according to some of the commentaries I read. But whatever they were doing, they were violating commandment of God. Jesus said there, and sometimes people they struggle to distinguish what's a Bible command over what's a man-made tradition. And you know what? People often get led away and end up getting spoiled through that. Galatians 1.13 says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Now, so notice Paul was exceedingly zealous of the traditions, yet one of the things he was big on was just talking about was persecuting the church. Now, was that a command of God? Obviously, it wasn't. I mean, he was, he was persecuting God Himself, and we, but we see he was just keeping the traditions of his fathers. And you know what one of the traditions of his fathers were? Is, you know, kill everybody that <laughs> doesn't do what we want them to do, which has been the tradition of most religions. Throughout history, and that's one thing I like about Baptist history. 
We've never killed people for not doing what we want them to do. And uh, but traditions sometimes people they don't know which is which. And listen, traditions aren't all bad. Traditions are okay as long as they don't violate any scriptures. Second Thessalonians two fifteen says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold their traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Okay, you know, there's there's some traditions that are good. Tradition, there's traditions that we were taught to follow in the Bible, things like the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, that's a good example. Also, other traditions. You know, there's traditions that you can have. For example, you know, every year we go to Peoria and see the Christmas lights. It's kind of a tradition. We've done it every year since I, since I was a kid. We've done that. Now, it's a tradition, but is it bad? is it violating Scripture to go see the Christmas lights? You know, I, I don't believe it is. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes people get so caught up in tradition, they will let it get to where they are violating the Scriptures. They'll let it cause them to be led away. Maybe they'll go to a false religion just because they practice a tradition that maybe they like. Something that's not commanded in the Bible. And maybe even something that goes against the Bible. And... Uh, we've got to be careful not to get caught up in those things because one of the things that's happened a lot, or that happens a lot, or that brought false religion into the church there in the book of Acts, you'll remember, many of the Jews, when they got saved, they would try to bring their traditions over into Christianity. And then they started teaching that you had to do those things to be saved. Things like the circumcision and stuff. They said you had to do that. They were teaching you had to do that to be saved, but that was just a tradition. That wasn't something they had to do. That was something that was that was completed, uh, you know, with the Old Testament. And sometimes people don't know the difference, and they'll get led away by things that things that don't matter. And we got to be careful not to get caught up in those things, not to ever let a tradition get us away from the Bible. You know, first Christmas we were here. Uh, you know, the Menezes they had us over on Christmas Day. And what was that you made us that day? Pasoli. Pasoli. Alright. And apparently that's tradition for them to eat that on Christmas. You know, I didn't go over there and start preaching and say, listen, Christmas, Christmas ham. Alright, that's what you're supposed to eat on Christmas. You know, Christmas ham, mashed potatoes, corn. You know, hey, <laughs> that's not commanded in the Bible to eat ham on Christmas, okay? That's that's a tradition that you know a lot of people have, and we're not going to get caught up in that. Okay, you're not going to run them out of the church uh, because uh, maybe uh, I said I never eat that for Christmas. But that's something; those are fine. But people sometimes get really caught up in traditions, and they will let it lead them away and lead them away from Christ. And you can't do that. And that was a, that was a big problem for uh, a lot of the people in the Old Testament, especially you know ones that came out of Judaism, and even a lot of the ones that came from pagan religions. That kind of thing happened. And you know, even sometimes uh, when somebody gets saved, and you, know, uh, you get a new convert. You know, I I know our world that we live in. While religion is not involved, there's a lot of things that's hard to get out of people once they. You know, start when they a lot of people today, the average person that gets saved that maybe you know that's never been in a fundamental Baptist church before. I mean, there's a lot that they've got to learn. I mean, a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people they will you know it takes them a while before they figure out that 
you know, it's not okay to drink wine. Jesus didn't turn water into wine like today. You know, he turned it into wine, fruit of the vine, basically grape juice. You know, they and, and then you know you got, you got to teach him. No, that's not okay. You know, you don't do that. You know, and there's there's all kinds of things that they struggle with. I mean, just because the tra- traditions of this world, it's the stuff everybody does. It seems totally normal. It's very common these days. I, I'm amazed at how many people who go to church regularly. I mean, I, I just talked to some. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I found out somebody that I knew that goes to church regularly. Uh, seems to know pretty good Bible, and yet is living with his girlfriend. I'm like what? What's going on here? You know, people these days. It is totally normal in our culture now for two people to live together like man and wife before they're married. That is totally common in our culture. I mean, it's just kind of tradition. That's what you do, isn't it? You know, you find somebody you like them, you move in with them for a while, and then if everything works out after a couple of years and maybe a couple of kids, you know, then you get married. You know, that way you can have your kids as your flower girl and ring bearer. I mean, that's that's very common these days, isn't it? I why cuz that's the teaching of our world. That's what man's wisdom does, and we wonder why divorce is just going crazy in this world. But I mean, that kind of thing, uh, people they struggle with that. I mean, you tell somebody uh, when they you know they want to come, they want to join your church, and they're shacking up. You tell them you guys you know you need to you know first to check and see if they're saved and baptized, and then after that you know well you know you guys either need to get married or separate. You know, is this some kind of cult or something here? You know, telling us we can't live together? They don't even know it's a sin. A bad one. They don't even, I mean, that's the culture we live in. That's the traditions. I mean, people today too. And, you know, then they get married in the church and they, they think it's okay. Even though I know everybody in that church always comes to church fully clothed and, you know, you always have sacred music, but it's totally okay for, the bride and bridesmaids to hardly wear any clothes. I mean, that's just what everybody does. And it's okay. I know it's in a church service. It's a holy sacred service. But we can, you know, we can use the rock music, right? You know, we can sing country songs, you know, and we get it. No. <laughs> and that's the traditions of our world. And it's hard to get that stuff out of people. And especially when pretty much every other church is totally accommodating to that type of thing. When hardly any churches will say anything against that because they've got so many people in their church doing those type of things, and that, and so you know we don't look at shacking up maybe as a tradition and all those things like that, but really it kind of is. It's a part of our culture today, isn't it? And we're gonna to have to stay strong on that. And the wisdom of man doesn't understand that. You know, the wisdom of man says, no, you got to try each other out before you can know if you're compatible. But we know as Christians that that's not right at all. And that doesn't work. But man's wisdom doesn't get it. And the traditions of men, it will lead them away. It will spoil them. And then also it says in that, in that passage we looked at in Colossians, the rudiments of the world. Uh, basically, uh, we'll go to Galatians chapter 4 and I'll show you what that's talking about when it says the rudiments of the world. That's not a word that we use every day. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the word. That word elements, it means the same thing as rudiments. In other words, just the ways of the world, the, the thinking of the world, the, you know, the traditions of the world. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? The ways of the world, the elements of the world, the rudiments of the world are bondage. They don't work. Okay, I mean it's it's sad. I just I don't understand why I have to get such a crazy look from people when we talk about it's not okay to shack up before you get married. I'm not talking about all you here today, but just folks in the world, you know, people that you know want to come to church. I I had somebody just the other day. They called they called up and just asking what they were looking for a church and just asking about all these doctrinal things. You know, wanting to make sure we were right doctrinally and everything. And you know, and they were asking a lot of good questions, but we were different on, on one uh, little thing, and they never came and visited. But one of the things I noticed that this person told me too, while they were real big on all these things and seemed so concerned about doctrine, she was living with a boyfriend. And I thought, wow, how did you miss that part of the Bible? But because it's totally normal in our world today, and. For us as Christians to want to go back to that, to be led away, why would we go back? I like how it says it to the weak and beggarly elements. They don't. They don't work. The rudiments of the world, basically, just the worldly thinking. Why would we follow worldly thinking? You see, because today majority views are often looked at as truth. If that's what the majority thinks, it must be true. But Exodus 23.2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. And that was specifically... Uh, we'll go over Exodus chapter 23. Verse 2. Yes, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. This is talking specifically about in judging a matter, maybe in judging a person. I'm thinking right now of guys of recent cases... And I don't know all the details on it, but um, I forgot the name of the guy in Ferguson, the police officer that was tried. Okay, now it sounds like the majority was for saying that guy was guilty. All right, now these people, you know, a lot of them, they weren't there; they didn't hear all the evidence. But a majority, and it's you got all these people out there saying he should go to jail or he should be tried or whatever because we all think he did it. And the Bible says we're not to follow a multitude. To do evil. We are not to ever let the masses decide what's right and wrong. Judges shouldn't do it, and judges do it all the time. You know, our politicians, they do it. They check the wind. What, is, what, do, what do a majority of people think? 
We got people now when it comes to gay marriage and stuff. You know what? They, you know what they keep bringing up? Well, a majority, you know, this many percentage of people are for it, and that should have nothing to do with it. I mean, I don't care if ninety nine percent of people are for it. We don't go along with those things, and many people today are being led away because a they're just going with the flow. Well, a majority of people don't think that you know this type of Christianity works. You know, we've got you know when it comes to goofy things like global warming and stuff. What do you hear the news media say all the time? Well, a consensus of scientists. All right. Hey, just because I don't even think that's true, but even if it is, okay, let's say a majority of scientists say that it's true. That majorities usually get things wrong, don't they? And that's proved almost every time we have an election, especially in Illinois. You can count on the majority being wrong most of the time. And I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I look at it as a badge of honor when I look at the voting results of everything. In this county, the way everybody voted here in our district, and I voted in the minority in everything except for one thing that I found. I was in the minority on everything. And I was like, that's a good sign. I'm right. Because you know what? A majority of this area doesn't seem too smart. They don't seem like they're doing too good. I mean, we've got a lot of problems out here. And I thought, good. I must be on the right track if I voted in the minority and everything. <laughs> and so, uh, that's just... I mean, you could almost use that as a rule of thumb. And you'd be right most of the time. What's everybody saying? Alright? I'm not going to do it. And that's, good. that's a good philosophy. My wife keeps telling me to grow a beard. And I was like, you know what? Everybody's growing a beard right now. I don't want to do it when everybody's doing it. I don't think there's a thing in the world wrong with it. But I told her, when everybody quits doing it, I'll do it. And that's just, why? Cause that's just how I work. Because I like to be right. And it's just it's an exercise. I've always practiced. And so if everybody... I mean, I, when everybody quits doing it, I'll be I'll be on board. That's just that's just how I roll, uh, even with stuff that isn't important. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I like to make a big deal about things. But anyway, because we don't want to follow majority thinking, we're not going to go along with that. And in Colossians, it said, you know, don't be spoiled through these things. See, just because you're saved, that doesn't mean that you can't be used of the devil. He would love nothing more than to use one of God's children to make God's children to make the family of God and God Himself look bad. See, God saved us to bring honor and glory to Him. Go to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. Liberal churches today they have a very very good practice in liberal churches is to read a passage that they like. And spin it in the wrong way, and half the time, if they would just read one more verse, it would kill their whole sermon. And everybody loves Ephesians two eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And they love that not of works, and that means don't ever talk about works. You don't have to do works after you get saved. You know we're all you know. Keep on being who you are. It's okay. You're shacking up. You know, getting to heaven. It's not about works. And you know what? That's true. Salvation is not by works. But the next verse, they just read it, it would kill their sermon. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We've been saved unto good works. When God saved us, He saved us with a purpose in mind, and that's for us to do good works. God has ordained that we walk in those good works. 
And when we don't do them, when we get spoiled by man, by the devil, and we're doing bad works, what has happened is we have allowed someone to take what is God's and use it for His service. I mean, how would you like it if you if somebody stole something that belonged to you? They stole something from your house, and then you went and you saw them. On I remember one time on our bus route, one of there's these kids on the bus, and they were talking. They were telling me about how somebody had stolen their bike, and they were all upset. Somebody had stolen their bike, and you know, they didn't know how to the bike. And all of a sudden, we're driving down the road, and they see a kid. On their bike. <laughs> That's my bike. Stop the bus. You know, they're going to stop the bus because they, they stole my bike. And we didn't stop the bus for them. We were going to let them go chasing after them. You know, and they just had to watch the kid. Why did you stop? He stole my bike. And, uh, hey, we don't, we can't really deal with that right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, uh, but you, that makes you mad, doesn't it? And we belong to God. He saved us with a purpose. And it wasn't so we could keep, continue living a life of sin. Making God look bad. Making the family of God look bad. He saved us so we can do good works. He saved us so we could set the example to the world. He saved us so He could use us for His purpose and for His glory and for us to allow somebody to lead us away to do something else. It's so horrible. I mean, it's such a crime. It's sad. We've been saved for a purpose and we've got to make sure we let God use us. He didn't just save you because you're so great He just needed you in heaven. And, that's, and I think that's what people think. He saved you for your benefit. So you could, you could go to heaven. So you didn't have to go to hell. And then He's asked us, hey, I save you. You're on your way to heaven now. You're not going to hell. Now, could you do some things for me? Could you be a light to the world? Hey, could you be could you be a witness? Could you set an example? And listen, there's going to be people out there and he warns in these passages that are going to try to lead you away with man's wisdom. They're going to try to take you and you will be their spoils. And you know, one of the things that one of the things that we all do on both sides of this. I mean, don't we like it when we see somebody get saved that's just maybe they've lived their whole life of sin? You know, they've just done nothing but wickedness and to see them basically get stolen from the devil. Well, that feels good, doesn't it? I mean, how would you like it? I mean, can you just imagine if we could lead President Obama to the Lord? What a spoil that would be. I mean, I mean, somebody who's just been so greatly used of the devil to take him and to now see him being used for God. I mean, you talk about a spoil of war there. You talk about a spoil to brag about. You know, to take some of the, you know, these people that are just some, the most wicked, vile people that you can think of. Some of the, you know, this Hollywood crowd that's out there that's just wicked, promoting wickedness. I mean, if we could just see some of these freaks that are out there. I mean, these just, I mean, crazy weirdos that everybody looks up to and everybody admires and everybody idolizes to see somebody like that get saved. What a spoil that would be on our side. We love it when we see the drunkard get saved. You know, we love hearing the stories about the people that are in the prison ministries that, you know, they win murderers and thieves and things to Christ and to see them. I mean, that's exciting. But imagine, you know, the devil, he's the same way with us. 
Hey, the devil wants whoever he can get. But you know who he really wants to get? He'd love to get some of us. Hey, I'd love to get one of those people from Liberty Baptist Church. Hey, that's a place where they're actually preaching the truth there. If I could get somebody from there, that would really make them look bad. Okay, he's not interested in getting somebody from the Catholic Church. Okay, they're already doing his work for him. He that he's not going to go after them. He's coming after us. He's going to go after the place that's preaching the truth. He's going to go after maybe that you know that young person that came from a good Christian home. He'd love to get them. You know, somebody who grew up in a Christian home, somebody who's been taught the truth their whole life, if we could take that person and we could turn them, what a spoil of war that would be. He would love to see that. And I'm going to tell you right now that there are going to be temptations. You know, and he, he goes after those people all the time. He's going to go after the Bible college students. Get somebody from, if there's if there's a Bible college out there preaching the truth and they're making a difference, the devil would love to get a hold of one of them to turn them, make that whole place look bad. And he's done it before. He's done it many times. And it's called remember David, when David sinned, Nathan the prophet told him, You've given a great occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme, because everybody knew that David was Special. David was a man of God that believed in God. I mean, he was the one that killed Goliath. The guy that killed Goliath. And they took him down. And that's why you see it all the time, maybe with pastors and people in high places sometimes. The devil sometimes gets them. And he's a spoil of war for them. And I'm not making excuses for those guys. I'm not one bit. They shouldn't have let it happen. Apostle Paul, he warned them. He told us not to let those things happen. But it happens... And I'm just, I want to challenge you tonight to not let the devil spoil you. To make you one of his spoils. Not to let you be one of his trophies that he can take and, and he can brag about. And you know, I, I don't, I don't make a practice of this. If somebody around here gets saved, you know, I don't go advertising, hey, look at this piece of dirt that we won to Christ and, you know, uh, you know, there, there's some preachers out there that they like to do that. You know, they like to tweet the pictures of the people they just won to the Lord and the sorrier and crazier looking the person, I think the bigger of a trophy it is to them. I don't think we ought to be going about it that way, but it's very common. But you understand how they look at those people as trophies, don't they? And it is, isn't it? It is. It is a trophy when you see that wicked person come to know Christ. But you know what? Just as that's a trophy for us, we can be a trophy for the devil. We could be, we are, God saved us to be used for His purpose. And if you think that because you're saved, the devil can't use you, you're mistaken. The devil can, he can use us. And we can be very effective for him if we get carried away by these philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, rudiments, of the world. Don't get spoiled. So with that, let's all stand together.